Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. and then tongues and interpretation of tongues. Um, prophecy is so rooted in, in revelation. And so since we just got done speaking about the revelatory gifts of words of wisdom and words of knowledge, this is a really good uh, way to continue uh, speaking on really the, the, a similar issue, which is God revealing things to us in order for us to speak over one another. I want to I prepare your heart. As we shared last week with words of knowledge, where my, my desire is for us to see the application of this gift in our lives. And so last week we spoke about words of knowledge and this power of God revealing that he knows us. This week when we talk about prophecy, I'm going to share and teach and go through some things. But what I want you to really catch, what I feel God's put on my heart, is that in, with the gift of prophecy, what happens is, is God is essentially giving us a revelation of which we begin to see as God sees we begin to have the eyes of Christ for those around us. And what happens is we begin to see who this person really is. We begin to see the value and worth of their life. And what happens is when we begin to speak over their lives as God sees them, one of the biggest things that takes place is we begin to bring them into alignment with their God-created purpose. And this is so important that when we flow in this, we bring people into alignment for which they have been created for. And so I'm going to really break that open and show you through the scriptures of how, how this works and how profound it is for us to ask, God, we need your eyes for people. We can't see people that are natural eyes. We need to see people as you see them. We need to see the value and worth over every single individual that walks these streets in our community. So we're going to jump into this. I want you to know, let me just share a few things before we, we hit that application part. When it comes to the gift of prophecy and the prophetic gifts, there is so much to cover that we couldn't possibly um, really, if I try to cover all of it, we'd never have any type of depth today. And so it, just so you're aware of, there's things that we cannot even touch on, but the prophetic can flow at so many levels. It can flow on, a, on an international level. Right? God can, can download things to people for, for nations. He can do it on a national level, and it can go all the way down into a very personal one-on-one -on -one level. And that's where I really want to focus, because I want you to see how God can work through you with this gifting in a very uh, real way in everyday life, in this body and when you're ministering to people. All right? You follow me? Because I think most of the time and when we think about the prophetic, we probably, if you're like me, the first thought is some very super spiritual prediction over an event that will take place never in our lifetime. 
And not that that's not true and that there's an aspect of that, but the reality is, is we find it hard to see how could this ever really apply to my life? How could God ever use me in this way? Why would I really ever want to seek after this? Because I just don't really get it. But actually, there's a, there's a very powerful here and now when we flow in the prophetic gifting. In fact, Paul actually says, do you know that in Paul's letters, especially in 1 Corinthians, where we've been reading, Paul um, places such an emphasis of desiring to flow in this gift of prophecy. He actually, if you read it carefully in 1 Corinthians 12, will even talk about how, in essence, he, he, he almost words it where it's greater than the other gifts. Now, the gift itself is not greater, but what he's referring to is that it has a profound ability to edify people. And because of that, Paul says, over everything else, you should desire to flow in this gifting. That's why you see like in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, when Paul comes out of the way of love and then he begins to speak about prophecy and tongues, he says, pursue love and earnestly seek the gifts, plural, all, but then he says, especially that you may prophesy. He says things like this over and over because it has this amazing ability to edify people, to encourage them, and to lift them up. So let me just, let me just give you a basic understanding, and then I want to really hit home of seeing as God sees and calling people into alignment with what God has created them for. In essence, when we're talking about the prophetic, any gift of revelation always begins with hearing the voice of God. And so it's hearing God's voice and ultimately, God begins to download something to us, a message of which we speak it. And it's inspired essentially by the Holy Spirit. And this word typically in the, in the realm of prophecy usually has more of a, a futuristic aspect to it. It's about calling people into something that God has created them for. If I could read this definition here, it says, Prophecy is the ability to know what is available or what is in the heart of God for the future. It is knowing what God wants to do or what he is developing someone or something to do. So just, just follow me here for a second so you understand this. We can, jump, we can jump ahead. Since prophecy is rooted in revelation, revelation is essentially where God speaks to us and we begin to see as he sees. And then from that place, we begin to speak into one another's life with the lens of Christ. And we can call out things that people themselves can't even see. This is so important because when people are beginning to uh, just live crazy lifestyles, we can actually say, man, do you know what God has created you for? God will begin to download things and say, man, you're living this way, but this is what I see over you. You have such a different purpose for your life. Much of the prophetic gifting, I think we get caught up with the gift itself, and we miss the purpose, which is that we're bringing people into alignment for which Jesus has called them to. We're leading them to their, their eternal calling. It's like this wake up where they're living in this one place and all of a sudden someone comes and says, my goodness, God has just showed me something over your life and we speak it over them. And it's like a wake up and they begin to live in accordance to their true purpose. Do you know how important it is for us to live in, in, in alignment with God's purpose? Have any of you ever gone through a season where you struggle with knowing your purpose? One of the greatest gifts God can give us is purpose. Do you know that everyone in this room has profound purpose? In fact, one of the things that we speak about at Growth Track, if you come, this is my plug. <laughs> Not this week, the third week. But when we speak about purpose, and for those who have been through it, you'll remember this. If you look in the scriptures, there's something very interesting when God speaks about our purpose. For example, in Jeremiah, he says, before the foundations of the earth, I formed you, I made you, and I set you apart. 
In Ephesians, it says that we are, Christ, uh, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, and he prepared those in advance, beforehand. If you look at all the scriptures about purpose, they're always speaking to the purpose was established before we even came into existence. This is one of the major differences of the world that we live in. And someone needs to hear this. The world that we live in teaches something known as existentialism, which says that because you exist, you should go try to find meaning for your life. The Bible is actually the complete different. It actually says because you have purpose, you exist. The reason why you're breathing today is not so you can find purpose, it's because you have purpose. And when we begin to flow in the prophetic and have God's eyes for one another, and we begin to see things as he sees things, we begin to see those destinies that God has called over people and begin to speak over them to encourage them and uplift them and lead them in what God has for them. Does that make sense? We begin to catch a glimpse, right? When God gives us these things and we flow in the prophetic, we actually catch a glimpse of, of what that person would look like if they were fully restored to God. That's right, the person who picks garbage out of a garbage can. When God downloads words, you can actually see what God had originally created them for. I want, I want to break this open, and I want you to see in an even deeper level of how important it is for us to see as God sees to see every single person with the value and worth that God has over their life, no matter what they're walking through, no matter what the outward looks like. And then through that, that we would actually begin to speak over them this life, that we would call out this gold that God sees in them and lead them out of this destruction and into living in alignment with God's purpose for them. Does that make sense? And then what we'll do is at the end is I'll just share just a few things on a more practical level of how to do this, all right? I want you to turn with me in the scriptures to uh, Revelation 19, 6 through 8. And we'll have it on the screen if you don't have a Bible. I want, again, I'm breaking open right now this idea of revelation being rooted in seeing as God sees and why that's so important. I want you to follow me on this first point here. I think, I, I know you'll be incredibly blessed as, as we talk about this. One of the greatest books of the prophetic is the book of Revelation. And the apostle John, who's exiled at the island of Patmos, as we shared a few weeks ago, he encounters the risen Christ while he's there. And in the first four chapters, it's just amazing what John had encountered, things that he never encountered before. John had never seen the glorified Christ, and he saw him. You remember we went through this? When he saw Jesus, he saw him with his eyes of fire. His face was shining like the midday sun. His hair was white as wool, for those of you with white hair, the wisdom that he had. He goes through all of these things. His voice was like the sound of many rushing waters. And then the Lord gives him these prophetic words for the churches, these profound words that weren't just restricted to a single church, but they would be these universal, eternal messages that would keep us in alignment with God. And in all of this, he tells John, I'm going to have you write all these things. Stop here for a moment. If any of us had this, we would say, this is too much for me to bear. I could spend all of eternity just thinking about what God has revealed to me. Just to see Jesus this way would be enough. But guess what? Chapter 4, the heavens open and there's a voice that says, come up even higher, John. I want to show you even more. And he begins to show him all these things that are to come and there's symbols and, and wars and all these things that speak to what is to come. But then it comes to the end of Revelation. 
it's like, it's like the icing on the cake. It's like Jesus is saying, John, this is really what I wanted to get to. This is how it ends. I want you to see something, John. And are you ready for this? John begins to look, and he sees this multitude singing and praising. And this is what it says, Revelation 6, 19, 6 through 8. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude. Like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deed of the saints. He shows them all these things. He says, that's nothing. I'm going to take you up even higher and show you more. He reveals all these things again. And then at the end, he says, John, look at this. And what does he show them? He shows them the church. He shows them me and you in this state of completion, clothed in purity and holiness and righteousness. And he says, John, can you see him? It's the most precious thing that I could see. Jesus is like that groom who when the bride comes down, his breath is taken away when he sees her beauty. And he says in his heart, how could you bless me with this, God? This is more than I could even ask for. This is incredible. It's everything I've ever wanted. It's as if Jesus says, John, do you see her? She's beautiful. She's everything I've ever wanted. No wonder God was willing to give up his only begotten son. No wonder Jesus was willing to pay the price. He wasn't dying for trash. He saw this picture. This is what possessed the heart of Christ to endure the shame of the cross. He saw you worshiping in glory with Christ. We have to see people this way. You have to be in Christ to come to this place, but this is the Father's desire for every life. I said it before, but the man right now who's stuck in drug addiction, the father's desire is to see him in Revelation 19. That's how we have to see each other. Beloved, when you get in fights with your family and friends, you have to remember this is how the father sees them still. Let me ask you this. Do you think that when John came out of this place of encounter with the Lord, do you think that John could ever see humans the same way again? Do you think he could look at them and say, ah, He's probably saying, oh, my goodness, I've seen where God's taking you. I see the value in your life. I see the worth in your life. John, John's first few letters, he's striving to walk out the gospel and in very basic ways. I imagine if we were to see John keep writing, he would say, man, I don't even want to stop there. There's so much more that God has for you. Oh, that we need to have the heart of God. We need God's eyes for one another. When you say, Jesus, download that picture of every person I see, that I could speak life and bring them back into alignment for what you have created them for. And God is an absolute master of this. I love this example. One of my favorite stories is Gideon. In the book of Judges, there wasn't kings yet, so God would raise up these judges to lead the lamb. And the... Israelites were oppressed by the Midianites, and Gideon was hiding out in the wine press, threshing wheat, hiding because of fear of the enemy. And do you know what God came when he saw him? He came to him and said, mighty man of valor. 
He saw something in Gideon that Gideon himself could not see. He could speak it out. He says, Gideon, you don't even see this about your life, but I see it. And God wasn't just trying to make him feel really good. God is so confident to accomplish the purposes he set for your life if we would just trust and surrender our life to him. I see this, Gideon. Follow me and you'll walk in this. You know what I love? If you read Gideon's story, he is one of the most fearful men in the Bible. It's crazy. Even after this, he's constantly questioning. Gives me so much hope. (laughs) And when God comes to him and says, mighty man of valor, you know, that's an expression that was used often. You see it with King David's men. It was those who were most elite and closest to the king. It was those who everyone knew would be willing to lay down their life if they had to for the king. This man who was outwardly appeared to be so fearful, God saw this man who would be willing to lay down his life for him if he had to. He could see this gold in him and call it out and say, Gideon, you have so much more than hiding in here. And he spoke it over him. And when we flow in the prophetic that way, we can begin to see people like that and speak the same things over. We find the Gideons who are hiding out, living crazy, and then we begin to speak over them and say, oh, my friend, my brother, my sister, God is something so much more than what you're doing right now. Your disappointment, your emptiness, because you're not living in alignment with what God has made for you. It's one of the primary ways the prophetic gifting actually is, is operated, is how it's operated. Jesus and his disciples, I mean, you stop and think about this. He's dealing with tax collectors. He's dealing with fishermen. He's got prostitutes that are with him. In every way, the culture saw these people with no value or worth, but Jesus saw something different in them. He saw what it would look like if they actually were restored back to the Father, walking fully devoted, and therefore he could actually entrust them and walk with them. Jesus and Peter? When when Jesus called Peter, he was so aware of all the faults and failures of his life. He knew that Peter would deny him. But he also saw the man who would stand up at Pentecost as well with boldness. And he was able to look past the weaknesses that we so often get caught up in one another. He was able to look past that and believe in him and entrust him with things and call that out of him. Jesus wasn't just acting as a good coach with his disciples. He wasn't just upgrading them and calling out potential. Listen to me. He saw from the Father's point of view. He saw them restored to their original design, God's original intention. He didn't treat them as he hoped they would one day be. He treated them as if they were already restored. This is how we have to start seeing one another and speaking over one another. It's the essence of 1 Samuel 16. I know. Joe shook his head. He shared that before service today. The Lord had already placed it on my heart. It was such confirmation. That's when, that's when Samuel comes to the house of Jesse to find the future king of Israel. And goes through all of the brothers who outwardly appear to be the one that, that, should, that should be. But it's none of them. It's lowly King David who is out in the fields. And what does God say to Samuel? In essence, he says, Samuel, man looks at the outward appearance. He says, but I look for something different. I see what's on the inside. My goodness, how often do we just stop with looking at the outward appearance and writing people off and saying there's no way. But when we receive revelation from God over their life, we begin to see them as they truly are. And we begin to speak over them as God has created them and what he's created them to be. Does that make sense? It's the essence of, in 2 Corinthians, 
uh, chapter 5, there's the well-known verse of how, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Well, do you know what it says before that? Paul actually said that we can no longer see each other according to the flesh. He said, we used to do this with Jesus, but now we know who he truly is. In other words, when we saw Jesus, we just saw his flesh. We didn't really understand who he was, but now that we know who he is, we see him totally different. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. What is Paul saying? He's saying, guys, we can't look at each other anymore by the outward things, by the way that the world measures success and whatnot. He says, we need to start seeing people as the new creations they are now. We need to start seeing people as holy and righteous because of the blood of Christ over their life. We can't be stuck on the outward. We have to see them for who they truly are. Do you know what Paul said, the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 4.9? He talked about this crazy groaning he had to see the, the church, the Galatian church, be formed into their full maturity in Christ. He said he was actually like a mother in childbirth, he said. There was such an intense desire to see uh, the Galatians come into their fullness in Christ. Why? Why? Why did this possess Paul? Because Paul caught a glimpse of Jesus and realized the Father's heart was always to restore us to look like that. And when he saw and caught a picture of Jesus and had a revelation of Jesus and he realized, my goodness, Romans 8, 29, 30, everyone is being conformed to the image of the Son now. Paul had this desire inside of him to say, Guys, I have seen where God is taking you. I see what God wants to do in your life. I see what he wants to make you look like. And he was possessed by this. Look at this scripture in Romans 8, 29, 30. I'm going to read out of the message. I'll put it up on the screen now. It said, God, listen, I love this. As Paul, Paul had such an awareness of what, what God is doing with us and conforming us to Jesus, and it says in verse 29, reading out of the Message Bible, it says, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset, I love this, to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. When you see Jesus, the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, we catch a glimpse of what God has always wanted to do in our lives. And he says, after God made that decision of what his children should, should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. And after he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then, after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously competing, completing what he had begun. Wow. <laughs> and Paul received this from Jesus and realized this is where the Father is designing for us all to go. And so as a result, when he began to minister to churches, he, he was possessed by this thing of, you can't stay here anymore. Don't live like this anymore. Don't, don't go in this way because I've seen where God wants to take you. I've seen what you're going to look like. It's so perfect and beautiful. You have so much more to live for. These testimonies, man, there's so many incredible testimonies of the prophetic. And again, I know I shared last week some testimonies with um, Sean Bowles with Words of Knowledge. And uh, he's, um, I actually have a few others, if that's all right, to share with you. They're just so, so good for, uh, for, the, for the prophetic. Um, I'll just share two with you. And just to kind of see this in, in modern day application, what this looks like. Um, he was, he lives in, in L.A. And I don't know how many years ago this was, but he was in L.A. That's where he used to pastor. And while he was there, 
uh, he used to go to this, this local Starbucks. And so it's kind of in the, uh, around Hollywood. So he said when you go there, it's a, it's a pretty well-off crowd. People that want to be in Hollywood, people that used to be. And it's just, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's just, it's just that type of crowd. It's very well-off. And, and so he was heading over that way. And when he got closer, he saw um, all these people coming in and out. And then he saw this, this woman who was uh, sitting outside. And when he got closer, he could see her. I mean, she was really beat up. She had a, a fake wig on that wasn't even on straight. She had mascara that was running all over the place. Uh, she tried to look well-dressed, but she really wasn't. It was pretty, pretty beat up. She had, uh, she, it was, the sun was out, he said, but she just looked at that bluish color like she was freezing. And uh, in every way, she just looked really, really broken. And he could tell from ministering on the streets for a number of years that this was an old-time prostitute. And so as he got closer, he just watched people come in and out and kind of walk right by as if she wasn't even there. Now, I don't know about you, because I can't imagine this. I am so blessed to be surrounded by people who I am in relationship with. I can't imagine what it's like to go through life with no one acknowledging your human existence. And so here's this woman that's just sitting outside this, this Starbucks, and people are walking back and forth, and no one's acknowledging her. Because you know why? Because I think in society we say she got what she deserves. This is, the, this is the repercussions for her choices. She, she deserves this. She should stay here. She should suffer for what she has done. I understand there's consequences of things we do, but that's not the heart of the Father. Because the reality is, is all of us then could be stuck in that place. It just looked different. And so he comes along, and he, and he goes inside. He walks inside, and he, he just feels it on his heart. The Lord says, whatever you get, buy double. And he bought even more. And he comes outside, and he goes to her, and he begins to give her the stuff, and she's just amazed by that. No one's ever really given her any attention. And so she hugs him when she finds out this is for me. He says, you know, my name's Sean. They exchange names. And then while she embraced him with a hug and she's just blown away by this kindness, he's there just saying, Lord, please, God, show me your heart for her. Show, help me to see her like you see her. He said, God, let me speak over her life in a way that you would, God. And he says, in that moment, he got four words. And as he was hugging her, and he just whispered in her ear, he says, you are not invisible. You are not invisible. And he said in that moment, this woman just broke in, her, in his arms as she wept and wept because for the first time someone had recognized her. She said no one had ever been this nice to her in almost a year. And he began to minister to her. And over the next few months, he said he began to find her all around at different places, still living that life, but he began to, her heart was beginning to be open to Jesus. She began to minister to him. Man, just a word like that can change someone's life when we see them as God sees them. One of my favorite stories, and I'm almost confident I've shared this at some point in the past, but it's too good, so I'm going to share it again. <laughs> and we've got a lot of new faces here, so even if we've all heard it, we're blessed by it. It's one of his testimonies. That's just amazing. He was ministering in Hawaii, and while he was in Hawaii, uh, he was doing some type of conference, and it ran pretty late. And so when he got off the bus back by his beautiful resort, he was at this really nice resort, and it just happened to be by a red light district. And so when he got dropped off to go home around 10.30, the only thing open was a sandwich shop. So he goes to head over there, and as he's walking to the sandwich shop, he says there's this, this young Hawaiian kid, a local, who's probably in his mid-20s, who tries to sell him some, some weed. And he kind of just says, no, thanks, and the kid's pretty persistent. So he, he jokes around with him. He's like, man, I'm already hungry enough. I don't want any of that. And as he's talking back and forth, um, the kid finally says, well, do you want a girl? And so he stopped for a moment, he looked at the kid, and he saw what the kid was pointing at, and there was three teenagers, two boys and one girl over by these stoops. And at first he said his heart was filled with anger, but then he looked at the kid and said, no, 
He said, but I want to talk to her. And so he went over to this girl. And you could see that she was probably about 15 years old, hadn't been living much in this lifestyle at all. He could just see from being around this. And so he came up to her and says, what's your name? And she wasn't really interested at first. She said, Kayla. And then he said, what's your dream in life? And she kind of just got taken off guard and said, what, what do you mean? He said, well, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. And I believe God has incredible dreams for our lives. He's helped me to walk in mine. I believe he wants to reveal your dream, what he's created you for. He said, would you do me a favor? Can I just pray with you for a moment? And so she said, sure. She didn't really want to know what to do. The other kids around are laughing, making fun. And he says, just, just close your eyes. I'll close your eyes. He says, you, you, you use my faith. I'm going to pray for us right now. And I'm just going to pray for God to speak to you right now of what you were created or one of the things you were created to do in this life. She says, fine. She closes her eyes. And as he begins to pray and say, Lord, thank you for this girl. You've created with incredible purpose before she ever took a breath. Lord, speak to her what she's made for. She hears, whoa. The girl says, whoa. The kids get startled <laughs> and said, what happened? And she says, I heard something. And he's like, really, what would you hear? And she goes, I heard I should be a cook. And he says, like a chef? <laughs> he's like, yeah, chef. And he said, do you know anything about cooking? She said, not really, but I do have some interest in it. And he said, okay, okay. He's like, well, let's ask God, what is the next step that you should take? So they prayed again and said, it's kind of similar thing. He said, Lord, thank you for her life, God. Thank you for the calling you have to be a cook. God, what is her next step? Again, whoa. <laughs> said, what happened? She said, I heard the Lord again. So what did he say? He said, I think I'm supposed to call my uncle who owns a diner. She said, I haven't been able to speak to my uncle since I was little because my mother hasn't let, him come, let us come around him. So he said, listen, this is what I need you to do. I want you to call your uncle and I want you to call me tomorrow and let me know how that goes. So she does that. She actually, gets, she actually does call him, and the next day she says, Sean, I called my uncle, and it turns out I didn't realize that they're Christians, and they've been praying for me. It's part of the reason why my mom didn't want me to come around them. <laughs> Listen, it gets even better, though. Is Then she says, Sean, I'm moving. I'm going back to school, and I'm going to live with my, my aunt and uncle. He got a call a few months later, another checkup. She said, Sean, you're not going to believe it. Things have been getting so well here of me working at this diner that my, my uncle is actually opening up another diner, and I'm going to be the co-owner of it. A woman that was stuck in prostitution, when someone was able to come around with the heart of God and the eyes of God and see her for who she really was, was able to speak life over her and bring her back into alignment for which God had created her. How many want to be used like that? Isn't that incredible to speak life over people that way? And the beauty is, is that it's available for all of us. God is designed for all of us to walk in this way. So let me just, let me, let me share something real quick. Are you guys following me? You with me still? I got a few more minutes. All right, I want to just, I want to just, before we close out, I just want to share some things that are important to teach on this uh, before we close out in prayer. And the first thing is when it deals with the prophetic is that there is a major difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's a major difference of how the prophetic work. And this is where a lot of people and I have gotten so tripped up because I've tried to apply Old Testament paradigms to measure New Testament prophecy. And you can't do that. Things get really twisted because the way we receive revelation today has completely changed because we all have the Holy Spirit now. You see, in the Old Testament, God would have to place his spirit on certain individuals who were in leadership, whether that was judges, kings, um, uh, prophets. God would speak through these individuals. And because no one else had the Holy Spirit... 
everything was at stake for this mouthpiece to get it exactly correct or the entire nation would be misled. That is part of the reason why if you spoke as a false prophet in the Old Testament, you would be stoned to death. It was completely different. But now today we all have the Holy Spirit. We all can hear the voice of God. And so although we still have the prophetic, it's no longer used to have to guide and direct. We don't need another Holy Spirit. You already have one. It's meant to encourage and confirm and edify and build up. That's the primary purpose now of New Testament prophecy. So because of that, this is not a statement to say we should have a flippant attitude towards giving words to one another. But you won't be stoned to death if you step out in faith, but what you have shared was off. Now, I'm going to share about taking accountability on that, but it's changed now for a lot of reasons. And so that's not the sole mark now of whether someone is genuine or, or whatever you want to call it. The other thing that's really important with that is that um, since God speaks to all of us, and the primary purpose of prophecy is encouraging, comfort, and edifying, the, the, we should never have prophetic words spoken over one another that is giving a command for direction in someone's life. In other words, we should never say things like, God told me you're going to marry this person. That's actually really dangerous, and I'll tell you why. Because you're actually violating their personal relationship with the Lord now. Because they have the Holy Spirit. Now, we can share things and say, I feel like God has shown me this. But it, listen to me, if someone were to speak a word to you, and it's not in alignment with what you feel God is showing you to, to you personally, you don't have to receive that. <laughs> If someone tells you, and it doesn't mean that this person's evil, they may have really tried to step out in faith, and uh, they may have just missed that, but you have the Holy Spirit to be able to say, that doesn't sound right. I mean, you tell me I need to move Mastic Beach now or I'm going to die? <laughs> uh, I'm just, that, I'm not really like coming into alignment with that. So that's really important to understand that it's, that it's different. And so in the New Testament, the primary purpose, look on the screen here, 1 Corinthians 14.3 says this. Paul says this, here's the primary purpose of New Testament prophecy. He says, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Which means it should never be done in a destructive tone or manner. It should never be to tear down but to build up now. Now let me be clear. I 100% believe that in the New Testament there are prophetic words of correction for people's lives. We see that with the letters to the churches. But what was always offered with that correction? A pathway of hope and redemption. If someone is speaking a word and all it is leading is to judgment and, and condemnation and not providing a solution as to how to change this, it's not, it's not, it's not right. It's incorrect. It's not following the, 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 the path of New Testament prophecy. In 1 Corinthians 13, think about this. Paul talks about love as being the foundation, not just of the Christian faith. He's teaching primarily there of the gifts that means that every single gift is technically a love gift. Yet, I bet if most of us were talk one-on-one, -on -one, one of the gifts that we least see as a love gift is the prophetic gift. Because most of us are used to it being used in a way where someone speaks to remind us of how uh, unworthy we are, how far we fall short, and how much God is going to destroy us. Now, if there's a word of strong correction, there's always a pathway of hope. If God gives you a strong word of correction for someone, here's one practical thing. Make sure you have a relationship with them. If you don't even have a relationship, chances are God may be just showing you something to pray for them. 
Because they're probably not going to receive something if they don't even know who you are. Can everyone prophesy? The scriptures say, Paul says in 1 Corinthians on several occasions, yes. You know why? Because all can hear the voice of God. You say, no, I can't. That's crazy. No, well, faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. If you're saved, you've heard the voice of God. You've heard God calling you. John says that my sheep know my voice. Every single one of you can hear the voice of God. And as a result, God can actually speak through you for other people. Look at, that. Look at Acts 2.17. The initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit. What's one of the first things that Peter says? I love this. In the last days. I know we've shared this before. He doesn't just say day. Days. It's the day and age that we live in. It's the, it's, these last days are the days of the outpouring. In this time. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Listen to this, verse 18. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Which day? This day. And they will prophesy. Doesn't matter of your gender. Doesn't matter of your class. When you're born again of the Spirit and the Spirit of God has been poured out on you, God can use you in this way. So I'll leave you with this. Where do we go? How do we get started? What are some of the practical steps that we can take for God to use us like the testimonies we share? Well, similar to what we share with words of knowledge, you have to step out. It always starts there. You have to take a step of faith. And in that, pro look, I was scared to death when God first called me to preach the word of God. And my goodness, if you came back to Teen Challenge and heard me speak, I, I feel so sorry for the people that had to sit through that message. <laughs> I feel sorry for those that came to our pre-launch messages. And I'll probably feel sorry for this moment right here when I look back. Because there's been so much growth in the gifting that God has given me. It's no different than this. Again, we don't, we don't take it careless, but we understand that when God calls us to step out, we, we know in part and we prophesy in part. And we're struggling sometimes to hear the voice of God. And so there's an aspect where there may be bumps in the road and we miss things. And we're learning to how to walk as a co-partner with God. If a child who's learning a language, just learning how to talk, if he's only consumed with mispronouncing words, he'll never speak. At some point, he's got to be willing to make some mistakes and grow in order to understand how this works. The second thing is know your word. Study your word. If you don't study and consume the word of God and you feel like God is especially leading you in this, you will be blown all over the place. You will not know what the voice of God is. We grow in understanding the voice of God by reading in his word. That's one of the primary ways. And know this, that prophecy will never contradict scripture. You may not find it word for word. I didn't find word for word that I should be called out to Mastic Beach. <laughs> but I can see things that God was doing and saying being confirmed in the scriptures. A prophetic word should never contradict what's in the nature of the scriptures. In fact, in the Old Testament, the prophets are often found quoting other prophets. They were well aware of what was said before them. And God would build off of that previous revelation that was given. Here's one of my favorite. Almost done. Start with being an encourager. Since the prophetic is so rooted in being uh, an encouragement and uplifting, you say, where do I even begin? Just start for looking for the gold in people. 
Start looking how to bless people. Start looking for the beauty that you see in people. I don't care if it's as simple as that haircut is amazing. <laughs> start to speak life. And when God can entrust your heart for someone, then he can start downloading words for you. If he can't entrust your heart, though, he can't entrust you with a word for them. So whatever that looks like, start blessing people, encourage them. And I'm telling you, I've had this happen to me as I start to speak with people. And I can just sense God saying, man, now speak this over them. Because I, I've, I'm walking in the way of love, which is so important to the gift of prophecy. Intimacy. You need to be intimate with the Lord. There were prophetic messages given in Jeremiah 23, and they were strongly rebuked. You know why? Because someone said they have not received this from the counsel of the Lord. In other words, they were speaking messages about a God that they did not know personally. There is some, I don't know if there's anything more dangerous than someone speaking on behalf of our Father who does not really know Him. So know your Father. Know His voice. Sometimes you may even have the right message, but even the way He, he speaks to people, you need to know Him. He's so personal. So you need to understand how, how, he, how he communicates with each person. So know your Father. Be intimate with Him. And the last thing I'll share right here is accountability. Accountability is really, really important. The Bible says that when prophetic words come forth in this corporate setting, we're actually called to weigh and test them. That means we're called to discern the source and the significance of what's being said because it's not just a message from man. It's supposed to be a message from God. So we don't take that lightly. And so we need to ask, Lord, has this message, is it flowing from the Holy Spirit? A lot of times we can have things that we think it's the Lord, but it's really just our own thoughts. A lot of times, this is really important, we can say things over people that's actually flowing from our own damage. And we speak, speak things over, hey, you're going through this, you're going through that, and no, actually, you are. <laughs> and it's clouded your vision to see as God sees that person. So just be wary of that as well. And the last thing is in this accountability is track your words. You say, what does that mean? We shouldn't just be going up to people and saying, Man, I feel like God showed me this, say something, and never see that person again. You take no responsibility then. We're actually supposed to take personal responsibility for our words. So when God leads us to share something, especially if it's a stranger, we should get their number. We should get some type of contact information and say, hey, can I follow up with you on this to see what happened? Because a lot of times when things don't come to pass, the person will take it as they've somehow failed. God's angry at me. Maybe I've done something wrong. And a lot of times it's just, we misheard. And so by taking accountability, we can actually relieve that from them. Does that make sense? So I'm going to ask Brittany again to just come up like we did last week. And what I want to do is I'm just going to pray for us as a body. And then... Those who need to leave, we love you and we bless you. But for those who would like to stay and receive prayer or just even worship, I feel specifically to pray for people with respect to their purpose. Those that feel they're just out of alignment with what God wants, maybe floundering. We want to we wanna pray for you. And I believe God maybe even gives some instruction. And maybe you're struggling with just how you see yourself. I'm praying. We've been praying all week that God would give us, give us his eyes for you. All right? So let's, let's just close our eyes for a moment and praise the body.
Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I thank you that what we're speaking about is not just good theology. It's not just restricted to thoughts and concepts. But you really move this way. You really manifest yourself this way. So I'm praying, Lord, right now for those that will come up here and pray. I pray, Holy Spirit, stir their hearts. I pray for every person that's going to pray that you would give them eyes to see as you see. Anoint their ears to hear you speak so clearly, Lord. And Father, I pray for us as a body. Lord, help us to see every single person as you see them. God, help us to see those especially in our lives that we are so struggling with. Help us to see the Father's desire that every nation and every tongue would be surrounding that throne, worshiping him for all of eternity. God, give us eyes to see those that outwardly just seem so far and beyond hope. I thank you, God. I see testimonies already happening this week of you stirring hearts as we walk past people to see them. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, strengthen us by your grace to step out. Lord, I pray, start with me, that what you're downloading, God, would not just be reserved to something we've taught, God. It would not just be stuck in knowledge in our mind, but it would be something we apply in our lives, God. Lord, I pray for those especially who are going through a difficult season right now, struggling with what is happening, their purpose. Lord, I thank you that every person that sits in, this, in these seats, that testifies that you have incredible purpose or they wouldn't be here. So Holy Spirit, even right now, as you speak to individuals, I pray you would stir their hearts like you did to, that, to, to Kayla. Would you begin to even speak words to people of what you have for them, of what the next season looks like, of what this season looks like? Lord, I pray today would be a marking on our body where we would, as corporately and individually, more than ever come into alignment for what you have created us for. We want nothing else, Lord. It's our, this is our desire for you to move this way because we want to know what you have for us, Lord. And we only want to move in what you have for us. So, Lord, as your people go, I pray for God encounters this week with people. I thank you for the, the knowledge and the words that you already have to release over people. Father, bless them. Strengthen them. Teach them how to grow in these things, Lord. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.